This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's 12.03 on a snowy Tuesday afternoon, November 15th. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us on the Noon Business Hour, presented by the Village of Bedford Park. I'm Rob Hart. Chicago homeowners will carry more of the property tax burden than commercial property owners. We'll dig into that in our next segment. But right now, it's a busy day of data, including fresh numbers on household debt. We're joined by Greg McBride, Chief Financial Analyst, Bankrate.com based in Palm Beach Gardens, Florida. Greg, thanks for joining us today. It seems like there is a push and pull when it comes to financial balance sheets for households. You hear that uh, Americans are still spending down that stimulus money they received in 2020 and 2021, and yet uh, we have new numbers out today that says household debt is at its fastest pace in 15 years as people uh, try to keep up with inflation on their credit card. Yeah, I think, Rob, this really speaks to two things. One, inflation has really stretched household budgets. And so there are uh, those that are either having to lean against debt or run down their savings in an effort to make ends meet. I think the other factor at play is we have this K-shaped economic environment where uh, the fortunes of some have gotten better while the fortunes of others have gotten worse. And so while we do see higher levels of spending, in some cases it's because uh, income is, is is plentiful, and in other cases, it's just to kind of keep up with rising prices. And this is after a lot of households uh, paid down a lot of their debt during the pandemic months of 2020. Yeah, that's what's troubling here is because we're seeing a reversal of what had been some favorable trends. During the pandemic, we saw savings go up, and we saw debt, particularly credit card debt, go down. Now the shoe is on the other foot. We've reversed that. So now we're starting to see that savings come down and we're starting to see those debt levels go back up and almost to record levels. Now it's uh, the fastest pace in 15 years. It's uh, up more than 15% from the same time in 2021. Is it a little concerning that the rate of debt increase seems to be outpacing the rate of price increases? It is. Um, now, that that being said, there's a couple factors at play. That isn't entirely balanced as being revolved. Some of that just reflects a higher level of spending, which kind of goes back to that K-shaped consumer environment. But nonetheless, those additional debt loads are also coming at a time, Rob, when we're seeing credit card rates at record highs and they're still rising. So let's talk about the good news on the inflation front. The producer price index comes in for the month of October. Wholesale prices rising two-tenths of a percent in October. That's less than expected. And uh, the year-over-year number was also uh, below the consensus estimate. So it tells the same story, it would seem, as the CPI did last week. Yeah, and actually, I think it was a little bit better. I mean, the thing with the CPI was uh, when you look at the different components, those that were showing declines 
tended to be pretty limited. It was you know, discretionary or very irregular expenses, whereas the stuff that households buy every single month continues to go up and up at a large pace. With the producer price index, we do see a broader indication of moderating price pressures. That's very encouraging and uh, provides some hope that we might see that reflected in consumer prices in the months ahead. And then very quickly, Greg, uh, how quickly uh, do you think uh, once we turn the corner, how quickly does that number go down? I think it's going to take quite a while before the inflation number comes down. I mean, let's let not let's not forget we're still running at a seven and a half to eight percent annual pace. The Fed's goal is two percent. We've got a long way to go, and we're going to feel some economic pain, I think, before we really get the true benefit of, of getting those those lower inflation numbers. So, in other words, uh, don't overdo it on the hopium. Uh, One in a row is not a streak. (laughs) All right. Thank you very much. Greg McBride, Chief Financial Analyst, Bankrate.com, based in Palm Beach Gardens, Florida. Coming up, comparing the residential and commercial property tax loads in Chicago. An economy of words. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Homeowners will be carrying the bulk of the property tax burden in Chicago this year compared to those owning commercial properties. Let's take a closer look with Albie Galoon, senior reporter with Crane Chicago Business. Albie, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, those uh, electronic uh, property tax bills, they're available online uh, starting this week. And um, it's the, the number that you see is the continuation of a saga, it sounds like, that goes back to last year. Yeah, hi, Rob. Good to be with you. Um, the the uh, bills are actually online today. So if you want to check your uh, what you owe for the second installment of your taxes this year, you can go online, although... I've had a hard time finding mine because I think so many people are uh, are on trying to trying to get that information and okay. overlo- overloading the system. Albie, are, are you sure you're not trying to find Taylor Swift tickets? That's another <laughs> system that's gone down today too. Well, if I could get those from the Cook County Treasurer, I would definitely do it, but I'm not sure that's possible. So this this goes back to last year when the uh, Cook County Assessor, Fritz Kage, shifted the tax burden uh, off of residential homeowner property taxpayers to commercial buildings and apartments. And then the commercial building owners and the apartment building owners appealed their assessments, and it sounds like they won. Yeah, uh, generally speaking, on the balance, they got what they wanted. Um, you know, what happens is, uh, the assessor places va- a value on properties, and then if you own a property, you can appeal it to the assessor, and then you can appeal it to this other body called the Board of Review. It's a three-panel uh, body, and, and what, what they did was actually in the city, and I should make clear that we're just talking about properties in Chicago. We're not talking about suburban Cook County. But that's obviously where a lot of the property wealth is, and where all the big downtown high-rises are. So it's really important. And so what the Board of Review did was, was basically uh, knock down those values that the assessor had increased. And so the upshot is really, um, it's, it's complicated. Property tax math is very complicated. But this is good news for commercial landlords and bad news for homeowners. And essentially, the uh, commercial landlords thought they were going to get socked again this year, and it turned out that was the dog that didn't bark. Yeah, it's true. I mean, there's been an ongoing debate over Cook County Assessor Fritz Kage. He's he's drawn the ire of owners of office, apartments, industrial buildings. The, the commercial real estate industry doesn't like him because 
he's been jacking up their assessments and he thinks that his methodology for valuing properties is more accurate than his predecessors. And so that's upset a lot of people in the real estate industry. And it uh, turns out that the, the board of review um, has kind of taken their side here. Is there any other property tax system elsewhere in the country that is nearly as opaque and involves so many moving parts as as Chicago and Cook County? Because there seems to be so many different authorities that one could appeal to, especially if you have the attorneys to make it happen. Yeah, I think there are, there are a lot of opinions about the Cook County property tax system. And, um, I, you know, there's plenty of room for improvement. I think one thing that people overlook is that one reason property taxes are so high in Cook County and the state of Illinois generally is that um, the local school districts pick up most of the tab for, for schools. So the state does not provide uh, as much funding for public schools as many other states do. So as a result, we have... Um, well, you know, we have pretty high property taxes relative to the nation. Albie Galoon, senior reporter, Crane Chicago Business. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Coming up next, more people are opting for a restaurant meal on Thanksgiving. Conversation that's on the money. You're listening to the WBBM Noon Business Hour. If you're thinking about a restaurant meal on Thanksgiving, you better make your reservation soon. We welcome in Izzy Karish, president of Hospitality Works, a.k.a. the restaurant coach in Chicago. Izzy, thanks for joining us today. Uh, I will pass along a sentiment that was passed along to me yesterday, which is, I can't believe Thanksgiving is next week. <laughs> Boy, I agree. It came very quickly this year. And uh, if you want to go out to a restaurant on Thanksgiving, let them do the cooking for you. Are you pretty much out of luck at this point? No, uh, you still have the ability to make reservations. I have a, a client uh, that has extended their hours because they are you know, getting so many reservations. So instead of doing what they were going to do before, which was 12 to 6, I think they're going to bump it to 12 to 8 to accommodate people. But this year is going to be bigger than many years in the past. People have been, again, goes back to COVID cooped up. Last year, I think people spent a lot of time at home doing that family Thanksgiving. Now more people are traveling. Uh, you're going to have more guests. You're going to look at, you know, maybe we should think about going to a restaurant and doing it a little differently. We did uh, uh, take out. We we went to restaurants the last two years. Uh, twenty twenty, a, a restaurant in Park Ridge was uh, doing a Thanksgiving meal to go. This was just as there was that second restaurant shut down in November of twenty twenty. So we did our part. We wanted to do our civic duty and help a business that we liked, and we got the takeout meal from them. Last year, uh, my family, they're on my parents' side. They're they're not big turkey fans, so we went to a Chinese place last year, and it was fantastic. And the, the, the great thing about it was the meal was over. We were all full. We couldn't get off the couch. And uh, there, was, there was no cleanup. You didn't have to clean anything up. And that was the best part about it. Yeah, that is a great thing. And uh, also a lot of great restaurants to go to. There's a lot of restaurants that, you know, feature Italian food are doing their version of Thanksgiving, not necessarily the traditional turkey and everything else. Uh, you know, steakhouses, seafood. And then uh, I do have, you know, customers who have more casual, call it sports bar type food, that on Thanksgiving, they will be doing the traditional turkey stuffing, all those kind of things. But I will say, you know, restaurants that are building up quickly that will fill up 
will start to cut back on how many to-go orders that they'll be able to fulfill. So now's the time to book. 20 years ago when I lived in Milwaukee, we did uh, the the buffet, the Thanksgiving buffet at the Fister Hotel, which is one of the really nice hotels in down, which was a great meal, a fantastic spread. But so that was always an option to go out because there were places that did have the Thanksgiving buffet. But has it, was it always, was it a day in which a lot of restaurants were comfortable closing Thanksgiving prior to 2020? Oh, absolutely. And uh, again, a lot of people, I mean, the amount of people spending money going out on a regular basis has gone up substantially. So uh, it's not uh, far-fetched to think that more people this year, again, will consider going out. So those restaurants, many more restaurants will be open than they were in the past. And of course, uh, be nice to your server, be nice to your host or hostess, because they're working on the holiday and you're not. Well, absolutely true. And it is always... uh, you know, it's a hard thing to ask somebody to come to work on Thanksgiving because they, they have to, you know, accommodate their life around it. If they work at the lunchtime, they're having Thanksgiving uh, at night. And if it's the reverse, they're going to do an early Thanksgiving with their family. So that's a good day to be kind to your server. And I'm a veteran of uh, many turkey dinners at the radio station, so I know what you're talking about. (laughs) Izzy Karish, president of Hospitality Works, a.k.a. the restaurant coach based in Chicago. Thanks for joining us today. Still ahead in Travel Tuesday, dealing with the headache of an airline cancellation or delay due to weather. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This is Chicago's news, traffic, and weather station, News Radio 105.9. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. The first measurable snow of the season creates some travel challenges. A major retailer settles a suit involving opioids sold at its pharmacies. In Travel Tuesday, what passengers can do when hit by a flight delay or cancellation. Home Depot and Walmart release earnings reports. We'll update the retail sector, WBBM business. The markets are mixed right now. The Dow down 103 points. The Nasdaq up 132. The S&P 500 is up 17. We have 35 degrees right now in Chicago, going up to 38 today. Light snow continues. Can see up to four inches of accumulation by tomorrow morning. And that's our top story at the half hour. Drivers had to bring back some of their winter driving skills thanks to the shot of snow we had today. Here's WBBM's Dave Berner. Well, look what showed up today. An odd, bright white substance blanketing most of the Chicago area, a substance not seen in these parts for some time. Scientists tell us it's called snow, and it's relatively harmless. But there are some issues when you drive a two-ton motor vehicle on surfaces that may be covered in this seasonal precipitation. Experts remind us to take it slow, leave plenty of space between you and the car in front of you, It's time to check your windshield wipers and your wiper fluid and put that snow scraper in the trunk. And overall, take your time when traveling, especially since it's been a while. Weather experts say from now through March, we are likely to see this strange white material on the ground and on the roads fairly often. It's simply time to remind ourselves that if we respect it, we can manage it.
Dave Berner, 105.9 WBBM. There's a development in cases tied to America's opioid crisis. Here's CBS News correspondent Jim Crisula. State attorneys general say Walmart has agreed to pay $3.1 billion to settle lawsuits nationwide over the impact of the prescriptions its pharmacies filled for powerful opioid painkillers. The deal needs to be approved by 43 states to take effect. CVS and Walgreens recently agreed to similar settlements in lawsuits over opioid prescriptions. It's 1232 as the noon business hour continues, presented by the Village of Bedford Park. Markets are mixed at this hour. We're joined by Jim Welsh, macro strategist and portfolio manager with MacroTides.com based in San Diego. Jim, thanks for joining us today. When that uh, producer price index report came in at 730 this morning, Chicago time, uh, the uh, futures markets took off once again. Uh, doing their uh, impression of the Artemis rocket that's going to take off uh, early tomorrow morning. Uh, And now the Dow has turned negative. What's been going on uh, intraday to weigh down the markets? Well, I think it's a combination of uh, factors. The market has rallied a good deal over the last week and a half, uh, Rob, and so I think there's some tendency to want to cash in some chips. In my uh, weekly technical review that went out yesterday, my uh, various technical indicators suggested we were nearing a high, and my suggestion was that if the S&P traded above uh, yesterday's high, which was 4,008, that it was time to lighten up. And this morning, the S&P opened up at 4,020, traded up to about 4,029. So I just felt that we had come a long way, and the market was due for a pullback. And the, the PPI report that came out this morning kind of vindicates the uh, enthusiasm that greeted the better-than-expected CPI report last week. Uh, it does. Uh, I mean, over the last month or so, uh, Rob, I've written about that the CPI was likely to have a seven-handle when it came out last Thursday, just based on some of the, uh, you know, takeaway values from a year ago. Um, I I think investors, though, are making a mistake to believe that just because the Fed is very likely to only raise the funds rate by 50 basis points in December, that, gee, everything is all well and good. The the most important part of what Chair Powell and other members have said, they're going to raise the funds rate to a restrictive level and then hold it up at that level for all, if not most, of next year. So I think the reality is, yes, the Fed is going to get to uh, the terminal rate, but then they're going to hold it for an extended period of time. And I think we're going to see the economy weaken significantly as we get into the second quarter of next year. Jim, I'm a White Sox fan. And last summer, <laughs> you would the White Sox would beat the Houston Astros. And you'd think, OK, maybe this is the beginning of the turnaround. This is where the yeah. this is when the winning streak begins. We've had two very good, the, the equivalent of two good games against a tough competitor uh, when it comes to inflation. Uh, what how should we look at the next CPI and PPI reports a month from now? Again, I think we're going to see inflation drop over the last month or so. My take, Rob, has been we're likely to see by the time we get to the March next year CPI report, the headline CPI is going to be close to 5%. And so my expectation has been we're going to see a pretty good drop in the inflation data. But the Fed is also cued on the labor market. Labor market has continued to be very, very tight. That's why I think they're telling us they're going to hold the funds rate at a high level for an extended period of time. 
And based on a number of indicators that I use, I think, as I said earlier, the probability of a recession by the middle of next year, I think, is really high. The market hasn't come to grips with that quite yet. Jim Welsh, macro strategist and portfolio manager with MacroTides.com, based in San Diego. Jim, thanks for joining us today. Coming up next in Travel Tuesday, strategies to deal with a flight delay or cancellation due to weather. A deposit for your future. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's Travel Tuesday and the snow today. It's pretty light around here, but it's a reminder that winter weather can really throw a wrench into your travel plans. Let's discuss handling cancellations and delays with Joe Brancatelli, editor and publisher of JoeSentMe.com, based in New York. Thanks for joining us today. Uh, what are some strategies that you can use to uh, navigate uh, weather-related airline delays like a pro outside of going on a series of misadventures across the Midwest with your seat mate and shower curtain ring salesman like in planes, trains, and automobiles? Well, I think, first of all, the good news is that what you guys shrug off in Chicago, as you know, some annoying snow, would paralyze Atlanta or Washington. So Chicagoland has the right attitude about snow and bad winter weather. Um, What you should do is just follow the basics that we used to follow before the pandemic. Book the earliest flight you can in the day. Have a plan B in case something goes wrong, including maybe hotels along the way that you know will be available. Always travel only with carry-ons instead of luggage because a checked luggage becomes basically another person when you're traveling. You've got to make sure it gets to the same destination as you have. So it's more about practical realities rather than any grand strategy you can figure out to beat the system. The uh, airline industry has been uh, lurching back to life after uh, the, the, the pandemic shutdowns of 2020, struggling to find aircraft and personnel to meet the uh, sudden return of demand. Where is the airline industry right now as far as their ability to handle these types of delays? Well, frankly, not in a good shape. They're running about 10 percent fewer flights than they were before the pandemic which means that there'll be 10% fewer seats at a minimum for you to find in case there's a problem. And that's generally the issue, is not so much the actual disruption itself. Okay, your flight's delayed four hours or his flight's been canceled. And then the airline said, well, I'm sorry, we're full up. So the next flight we have for you is three days from now. That's a real problem. We're going to know a lot more about their ability to handle things during the Thanksgiving weekend. I don't, I'm not very confident. But that's something worth looking at. And that comes into plan B. Always have a backup flight scheduled and booked, if you can, as a refundable ticket. And then you can always deal with it later if everything goes off okay. I encountered that uh, myself over the summer. Uh, I was on an airline that flew out of Midway Airport. We were coming back from New York. Uh, weather resulted in the plane not being in New York when it was supposed to be there. And it was the same situation. If, if you want to leave, it's either you're on the last flight out, oops, sorry, it's all booked up, or you can leave, come back on Tuesday, which was a non-starter. And thankfully, in New York, you could take the train to Washington, D.C. and fly out of there, which is what we eventually did. But if you're not in a place that has frequent rail service or other ways to uh, uh, to to get to a different airport, what do you do? I, I would say the best strategy and tactic is book the first flight of the morning because the plane is likely to be there. It's come in overnight. OK, 
the, the, the flight delays and cancellations cascade mostly from east to west, which puts Chicago right in the middle, uh, as the day goes on, because the day stood, the travel day starts in, on the east coast. And if there's a delay on the east coast, that becomes a delay in Chicago, which becomes a worse delay in Minneapolis, which becomes a nightmare by the time you get to the west coast. So start early in the day. That's your best chance of beating all these problems that could come. Book the first flight that you can in the morning going out and the earliest flight you can book when you want to come on a return. Joe Brancatelli, editor and publisher of JoeSentMe.com, based in New York. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Join us at this time tomorrow for Personal Finance Wednesday. And still to come, an update on leading retailers Walmart and Home Depot. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Walmart and Home Depot both beat the street with their latest reports. Let's check in on the health of retail with Joe Feldman, senior retail analyst with Tesla Advisory Group based in New York. Joe, thanks for joining us today. Walmart and Home Depot are important reports because it's kind of a a good uh, check on the health of the American consumer and also the home building space overall. And what did they tell us this year, this quarter? Well, it, the, from a Walmart perspective, which is a broad you know, read on the, the American consumer. Uh, we're definitely seeing the customer focus on food and consumables and basic household items and looking to save money in doing so. Walmart had a very strong performance. They talked about uh, seeing new customers, seeing new affluent customers even trading down to the Walmart uh, grocery level and finding them to be quite sticky. Now, on the home improvement side, Trends have been pretty good. You know, people are still st- staying put in their homes. You know, I know home sales have been slower, but that means people are still staying put. And a lot of project work is still being done uh, based off the results at Home Depot. And this is, just goes to show you that it sounds like that uh, customers may gripe about inflation, but it's not stopping them from spending. That's right. I think that inflation has been a pressure and I think customers and uh, consumers in America are much more judicious about how they spend and where they spend. And I think they're looking for ways to save money, uh, but they haven't stopped spending altogether. Now, granted, if you look at Walmart's results, the driver was food and consumables. It was not apparel. It was not home goods. It was basic um, you know, items to get to keep your family fed and healthy. Um, but conversely, you know, uh, the more the homeowner is still spending to keep up their homes. And again, I think more judicious spending. And we're seeing that across the board uh, with, with most retailers, really. How much stuff does uh, Walmart have on hand? I'm talking about TVs, other things that uh, a lot of uh, retailers had a hard time keeping up with last year. They built up a surplus of supply. How much do they have on hand, and can that result in uh, discounts for people doing holiday shopping later this month and next? Yeah, you know, that's a great point. The inventory levels have been quite high across retail really much of this year as, uh, you know, inflation uh, has caused a little bit of pressure on on the demand side of the discretionary business. Walmart is in very good shape. Uh, Home Depot is in very good shape. A lot of the retailers still have a lot of goods. And I think we're going to see some promoting this holiday season to try to clear that out. Um, you know, it certainly will be more promotional than it was a year ago when inventories were very tight. But now 
it's it's still um, if anything a little heavy on the inventory side, and so I think you're going to see uh, an opportunity for for deals uh, over the next uh, several weeks. Joe Feldman, senior retail analyst with the Telsey Advisory Group based in New York. Thanks for joining us today. If you missed any part of today's show, you can go to our stream and just skip back to the time you want. There's a pause and rewind function that both works both online and with the Odyssey app. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.